Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We were leaving headquarters horseback one day, and Woodrow jumps a four-foot cinder block fence because he sees us leaving, and he goes with me. And to make a long story short, you can go back, and I encourage you to go back on SaveTheCowboy.com, click on previous clinics. You can go and you can watch all, catch up on the story. But anyway, cattle get to running, and I lose Woodrow. Last I see him, he's following Zephyrino. And whenever we get to the point where we're putting all the cattle through the gate, Woodrow's gone. I spend the next couple of hours retracing my steps. I climbed up two windmills, and I shouted myself hoarse, looking for my dog, and I never found my dog. So I get back to headquarters, and, and, and the light, I mean, it, the sun has set, but it, it, it's not quite dark yet. And, and my poor pony has, has, has covered a, a long ways, even though he was a thoroughbred, and you might think thoroughbred, uh, this ranch... Uh, my, the ranch owner was on the same polo team as Tommy Lee Jones, and so we trained polo horses by gathering cattle on them. And you might wonder, how can you train a polo horse? You have that South Texas mesquite and retama and all, all of this other brush hitting them in the face. That little polo mallet is nothing, okay? So you would be surprised. It was a very effective training method. So, you know, we rode $50,000 horses to gather cattle on, but my pony was pretty tired, okay? We, we had rode a long ways, and, you know, I had doubled back, and, of course, we'd got to chasing cattle, and so he was pretty sweaty, and I, I get back to the ranch, and I unsaddle, and, and they just, I don't know if you do it. I don't really care if you do it or not. This isn't, most people get stuck on the wrong thing, but we washed our horses off every time we got done with them. So we washed them down, and we rubbed them down, $50,000 horse, put my saddle in the tack room. My heart is in my boots, I just, I, I can't, I can't hardly function. I, and I will be honest, I was kind of timed it where it was dark when I get back, when I got back, because every evening the cowboys sat out on the bunkhouse and they drank a cup of coffee and I always joined them. Didn't know what they were saying, but I joined them and I didn't want them to see that my eyes were just a tad bit red and maybe just a little bit sweaty from the heat, of course. So I unsaddled my horse and put my saddle in the, in the uh, bunk or in the tack room and took my leggings off and put them in there and I walked over and I could hear quiet talking on the bunkhouse steps and I went through the gate. The bunkhouse sat right next to the big house and it was all surrounded by another four foot cinder block wall and I went through that gate, shut it, and I walked over to the bunkhouse and Tomas came out with one of those tin cups, you know those blue speckled ones that the cowboys use? that you got to hold it by the handle because if your knuckle touches it, you'll get fourth degree burns on your knuckle. You know which one I'm talking about? Because Tomas didn't make coffee unless it was lava temperature, okay? And so he handed me this cup of coffee and I'm leaning against a pillar and I'm just sitting there and it's real quiet. Antonio, the guy that I worked with, he was the head ho uh, horse trainer. Of course, we all cowboyed, but I worked with him more often than not. I had been teaching him English, and he had been teaching me Spanish. So in broken English, Antonio asked me, he said, did you find your dog? I said, no. He said, weed throw. He couldn't say Woodrow. I guess that was too hard. He called him weed throw. He said, weed throw. He's a good dog. I said, 
Yeah, he was a good dog. Finding Woodrow is a story about rediscovering what you really believe in. If we could deconstruct faith, take it apart, look at it, and study it, what would we find? We would find that when we take faith apart and we boil it down and we ask ourselves, what is faith made of? And what is faith? It's what we believe in. You know, God said, for God so loved, or the, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. Now, does that mean just, okay, yeah, I believe that Jesus was probably a real dude. I'm going to heaven. No, that's not what it means. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a faith-based belief. And what does that belief mean? Entail dreams. We've been talking about the ands of life. L- listen to a little kid and their dreams. When they tell you about their dreams, they're going to be filled with ands. And when I grow up, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you know what? As we get older, we lose that. We only start thinking logically. Well, what kind of job does my education going to get me? And what can I save up and afford? And, and we, we just go from, a, from, from dreaming to logical to what we can accomplish when a child says, what can God accomplish for me? And it, it, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child, you'll never enter God's outfit or the kingdom of God. Faith is made up of dreams, the ands of life. It is made up of obedience. You know, the, the, when you read the Bible, you'll, you'll see a lot of things. It'll say, if you do this, then God will do that. That's how a lot of the promises are. And, and, and God's not necessarily, you know, it's my way or the highway. He's just saying, if you really want to know the right way to do it, if you do it my way, this is what will happen. You don't have to do it my way. You can continue to do what you've always been doing. And you, you, you can be stressed out, anxiety on medication, and, and your marriage is failing, and, you know, your kids are in trouble, and... You know, maybe you're addicted to alcohol or drugs or, or pornography or, or whatever. You can keep doing the, your way, but look where it got you. Isn't it time that we obeyed God and did it the way he said? Jesus' most often repeated commands are, do not be afraid, do not worry, let me take care of you, don't depend upon yourself, let it go. Yeah, this Christianity stuff, man, it's real, real hard, isn't it? Yeah, because none of it, we'd rather just be afraid all the time, depend upon ourselves, you know what I mean? Faith is made up of dreams. It's made up of obedience, and it's made up of trust. Or, as we talked about last week, the knots of life. Now, what do I mean? I'm not talking about K-N-O-T-S. I'm talking about N-O-T-S. What happens when your prayer is not answered? I told you last week that actually it's even better when God doesn't answer our prayers because he only says no when it will either take us away from him or he has something better in mind, right? So it's great when God says no because that. Why would you want to get away from God? He only wants to draw you closer to him. He is the source of everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. Simple as that. But what happens? What happens when we put our dreams, when we put our obedience, and we put our trust together? Something miraculous starts to happen. In Daniel chapter 3, and if you've got your Bibles, you can certainly turn over there or you can just listen. In Daniel chapter 3 is the story of three guys. Now, when you look at their names, their names are, are, are really, really hard. And I spent a long time this morning in front of the mirror 
practicing these names because they're kind of those Bible names and they're, they're hard to get right sometimes. But it is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, okay? And um, um, anyway, th- these three guys, I don't know why anybody would name their kid a billy goat, but that, that's his name. And um, these guys are Hebrews, okay? They are Israelites. The King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has gone in and they have wiped Israel out. They've been conquered. But Nebuchadnezzar's not the ruler of the known world for, for no reason. He takes the best and the brightest of Israel, and he brings them in and makes them officials in his court. Okay, He says, hey man, I don't care if you're Israelite, man. If you know what you're doing and you're smart, I'm going to use you. You may still be a slave, but I'm going to use you. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, or as I like to call them, Shad, Shack, and Goat, uh, this is is what they are, okay? Um, So King Nebuchadnezzar builds this golden idol of himself. Gold idol, nine stories tall in Babylon. And they make a decree that any time, I mean, I guess if you're walking along and a George Strait song comes on, Anytime you hear music, whether it comes from a flute, a lyre, a harp, a steel guitar, I I don't know. Just whenever you hear music, you are supposed to drop to your knees and worship this nine-story idol of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? A decree goes out all over Babylon. Because, you know, you could probably, I mean, we're talking about ancient times. Nine-story tall gold statue, you can probably see it from anywhere in the city, right? So, anyway... Anytime you hear that, you're supposed to bow down and, and, and worship, right? Well, some people, some astrologers, okay? Some, some people that believe in horoscopes and predicting the future by the stars and, and, and dumb stuff, they don't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? They don't like them, so they go turn them in because they know that these three men are full of faith. And they go to King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, hey, Guess what? There's three Hebrews over here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when music plays, they don't fall down and worship. They just keep doing what they're doing. King Nebuchadnezzar says, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh. Bring them here. So they bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king threatens to throw them in a fiery furnace. He goes, hey, I heard that whenever music comes on, harps, lyres, uh, L-Y-R-E-S. Uh, Ty's going to learn how to play that for y'all next week. He's going to do a demonstration of that. And um, <laughs> mouth harp. <laughs> the spoons. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, you know. Hey, King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, y'all ain't bowing down and worshiping that. What's up? And the culmin- he says, if you don't, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace, which is basically a big oven. Right? And in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Daniel 3, 16, the story reaches its climax of the conflict. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. I want to see if you can catch something. I want to see if you can catch three words in this great Bible passage. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And 
if not, and if not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not lose faith, nor serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Did you catch it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand, and if not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not lose faith. We will not lose faith nor serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. The king flies into a rage, orders three of his biggest, burliest, I mean, you know, just imagine me in, in like, like, like a suit of armor or something, right? You know, big, burly guys, trained soldiers, killers, to wrap up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into this furnace. The furnace is so hot that these three big burly soldiers are burned alive just by getting close to throwing them in there. Now they get it done, but they end up perishing themselves. That's how hot this fire is. The Bible says that, that King Nebuchadnezzar in his rage heated it to seven times its normal temperature. I mean, this thing is blazing, right? King looks in to watch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, burn alive, but there are four people in the flames, and they are just sitting there, walking around and talking. And he turns to his people, and he says, Did, wasn't there just three of them? And they said, yes, sire, there's only three. And he said, I can see that there's four in there, and they're unharmed. So he calls them out. He says, come out. And they walk out, and not a hair Three people walk out of that fiery furnace and not a hair on them is singed and they don't even smell like smoke. The king makes a decree that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the only one true God that there is and he promotes them to the highest place of honor within there, within his court. Do you have an and if not faith? And if not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not lose faith, nor serve your gods or worship the image of your God of gold that you have set up. Do you have that type of faith? If you just have dreams, the ands, but no, no obedience or trust, you're not going to see the miracles of God because all you can see is what you want. I mean, you, God wants you to have your dreams. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. But if you just stop there, your faith will be a self-centered faith and you'll be sitting around just waiting for God to, to reach down and, and give you what you want. If you do not have the obedience and the trust along with your dreams, then you'll never see the miracles of God happen. If you just have obedience but no dreams or trust, you will just live your life by a religious set of rules and become bitter holier than thou, and haughty, always looking down your nose at those who don't obey God like you do. That's, the kind, that's religion right there. That, that's where religion seeps in, is when you only have obedience without any trust and without any childlike faith, without any dreams. But if you have a dream that only God can make come true, and you have obedience when you do what the Bible tells you to do, how are you going to know what the Bible tells you to do? It helps if you read it. Crazy. Crazy. Okay? Sometimes people say, well, I don't understand it. Well, I'm doing the simplified cowboy version that makes it real easy. Most of the time, I can't understand it. It's just an excuse, and we all know it. 
Read it till you do understand something. A lot of times that's exact. God keeps something from you so that you can focus on the easy to understand. I love what, uh, what this one preacher said. Uh, he said the main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things. So don't worry about all the, the little details. Just read your Bible. But if you have dreams obedience and trust even when God says no even when your prayers are not answered if you have dreams obedience and trust then you will experience these five life-changing lessons from Shad Shack and a Billy Goat now I do have to give credit to a lady named Sarah Coleman she came up with these five I did not come up with this but I liked it just enough that I'm gonna just I'm not gonna steal it I'm gonna use it and I'm giving her credit just so everybody knows she's from Australia the five life-changing lessons from Shad, Shack, and a Billy Goat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The life-changing lesson of persuasion. When you read the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, one thing is apparent. They were fully persuaded. Nothing could make them bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. No threats, no consequences, no punishment. They were fully persuaded of the promises of God and in their obedience to him. They didn't care about anything else except God doing things the way God said to do them and knowing that their trust was fully in him and even if the flames devoured them they were going to go to heaven and be with God they were in a they were in a win-win situation there was no losing for them if life has pushed you too far it is time to rise up with the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, an attitude where you are fully persuaded of God's abilities. God will get me through this. And if not, and if not, I will not bow down. I will not give in. I will not quit. I will not cower. I will not cave. I will not relent. I will not give up. That's the kind of faith where miracles happen. The kind of faith that says God will get me through this. And if not, I still will not bow down, I will not give in, I will not quit, I will not cower, I will not cave, I will not relent, and I will not give up. Do you have that type of faith? The life-changing lesson of persuasion. The life-changing les lesson of pressure. You might expect a fully persuaded attitude, and, and, and if not attitude, would cause a breakthrough. We always hear Christians talk about, oh, we're praying for a breakthrough. We're praying for a breakthrough. Well, we might think that if we have that and if not faith, it will get that breakthrough. Not necessarily. When Nebuchadnezzar heard Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's word of defiance, he did not back down either. He turned up the pressure. Things got even hotter, seven times hotter. Have you experienced that in your faith? You'll hear some preachers say, oh, just come to God and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> That's crap. Read your Bibles. God always comes through. <laughs> but sometimes you've got to be thrown in the furnace first. The refiner's fire. Is that where you are? Things may be heating up in your life. Divorce, custody battles, sickness, mental illness. You took a stand for God, but things just got worse. You found yourself staring down a fire, a fire like none you've seen. You thought God would save you from the fire. You prayed God would save you from the fire, but it remains. Don't despair, because when the devil turns up the heat, God does too. The life-changing lesson of persuasion, of having an end up, and if not faith, of pressure. And the third one, of promise, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 2. Fear not, I have redeemed you, God talking. I have called you by your name. 
You are not here by accident. You may be here because your husband or your wife or your friend or, or some of you are sitting, still sitting here going, I don't know why I'm here. You are here because, because if you know it or not, God has called you by your name. You are not here by accident. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God isn't going to save you from the fire. He's going to bring you through it. That's the difference. That's the difference between authentic Christianity and everything else. Everybody else wants to be saved from the fire. An authentic Christian is saved through the fire. When you walk through the fire of cancer, sickness, divorce, financial ruin, you shall not be burned. Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot it killed some of his strongest soldiers. Fire is deadly for some, but you will not be burned if you are fully persuaded of the promises of God, you will not be destroyed. You, expect, you expected the miracle outside the fire. You thought God would save you before things went that far. But for you, for us, for the authentic Christian, the miracle is in the fire, not being saved from it. Persuasion, pressure, promise, and fourth one, protection. When Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, their chains broke. Jesus walked with them, and they did not even smell of smoke. When you walk through the fire, chains will break. Satan has used your situation to keep you living in a small and contained life. No longer chains break in the fire. What you thought was important breaks in the fire. The things that you thought you wanted break in the fire. The things that are holding you back break in the fire. Addictions break in the fire. Lusting after worldly things breaks in the fire. According to the promise of Isaiah 43, Jesus will walk with you in the fire. Whatever the trouble or trial may be, you will have a tangible sense of his presence. Jesus reveals himself in the fire. Watch for deeper revelation and worship experiences in your life. You're going to let this change your life? The fire will change you. He will not rescue you from it. He will rescue you through it. And the last one, persuasion, pressure, promise, protection. And the last one, promotion. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exited the fire, they received a promotion. King Nebuchadnezzar saw the goodness and favor of God on their lives and promoted them in his worldly kingdom. The fire may have been your greatest test, but on the other side, you will see promotion. You will experience spiritual promotion, for fire always refines. You may also encounter physical promotion in your job and experience greater favor with those you know. Others will recognize the goodness of God through your faith. If the fires of life are threatening, take heart. The miracle of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a miracle for you too. Be fully persuaded. Believe the promise. So when that pressure increases, you receive protection and ultimately promotion. Don't give up. Your miracle is in the fire. He's a good dog, Antonio said. He was a good dog. I corrected. No, weed throw is a good dog. My feet understood faster than my brain did. Spurs jingled like sleigh bells as I ran out of the bunkhouse gate towards my house. I never slowed when I reached the four-foot wall that Woodrow had jumped to go with me to gather cattle. When I hit the other side and caught glimpse of my front porch, I skidded to a stop 50 feet away. With my heart pounding in my chest, I gathered up all the courage I had left, and I asked a single question. It was a question filled with dreams, cemented with obedience, 
And despite everything else, it was a question of trusting God, even when everything seemed to be going wrong. Out of breath, with my heart pounding in my chest, standing in the twilight of one of the worst days of my entire life, I asked the question, Woodrow, in the shadows of the porch, I caught movement, as if a puppy had raised his head at his name being called. And in an instant, the little dog that I had held when my dad drove away, the little dog that jumped the fence to be with me, the little dog that I had climbed windmills and hollered his name, that little dog shot off the porch and nearly knocked me down as he literally jumped into my arms. As Woodrow licked the salty tears from my face, I heard a voice from behind me. He was waiting on the porch for you when they got back. Baltimore, the former ranch manager and actor from the show Return to Gunsmoke, had showed up and I didn't know it. He was waiting on the porch for you when they got back, Baltimore said. I turned around to see not three cowboys in the fading light of a fiery sun but four. Standing at the fence, all of them had smiles on their face that could be seen even through the darkness. We have reached the end of Finding Woodrow, but we have not reached the end of the story. The story has now become Finding You. Finding your faith is what Finding Woodrow was all about. Rediscovering what we actually believed in. It is time for you to take your dreams, your obedience, and your trust in all of God's answers and know that it is in the darkest of times that God's love shines the brightest. Let me leave you with this from Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. Everybody hold their hands out. I tell you the truth. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, a dot, dreams, obedience, trust, a single dot. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, a dot in the center of your hand, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing is impossible. Bow our heads. Feel free to join me or just pray along. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.